Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And we coming from our basement to your headphones. Barely even know who we are, but changing the unknown in a wild time. Thank you for downloading the podcast, Theanos. Now here are your hosts, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne. Welcome back to the podcast, Theanos. I am Jordan Hall. Eric is out this week, but I'm extremely happy to be joined by the one and only Hook Slide of the Voice of the Turtle podcast. Hookman, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on tonight. Hey, Jordan, thank you for inviting me. It's uh, it's an outstanding day. I was privileged to be asked to join the show. I can't believe the good fortune that that I have to sit here and, and be in this seat. So I think you're the first person ever to consider themselves privileged to be on the show. Emily, she she doesn't <laughs> care. Um, but I now I I think that uh, this is your first time on the show. Is that correct? We had Rob on last year, and we came on yours. But I think this is the first time with you, you and I. No, uh, I joined the show last year with Rob while Eric was out. Oh, uh, that's I got, right. I got to do one power ranking last year, so that was that was a highlight of the podcast season for me. Oh, that's good. Uh, so, are you prepared to burn the people's earbuds with the fire emoji takes all night tonight? I have consumed nothing but petrol straight out of the cup, so I am ready to blow fire all night. Speaking of fire all night, did you watch uh, Shark Week last night? Michael Phelps racing the shark. I I apologize. I'm not a Shark Week kind of guy. It's oh. just not my thing. Well, here's the deal. It, it was all this hype. Like Michael Phelps is going to race a shark. Well, you know, going in, like he's not actually going to be in the water with a shark. That that can't be how it works. Um, and then they <laughs> gave him all this like uh, super fancy fins and this this tech suit i don't know it, it they they essentially made it so that he couldn't um that he could go as, as fast as he absolutely could as fast as he absolutely could and spoiler alert so if anyone dvr'd and you're listening to this he didn't actually swim faster than a shark i know it's going to come as a, as a shock um <laughs> i felt a little disappointed but still it was an hour well spent i'm not going to argue i mean like i said I, I it's not that i have anything against sharks per se It's just that I only have so many hours in a day, and most of that is, you know, once it's when I'm done with work, family, you know, household responsibilities, then the whatever's left is usually dedicated to baseball and or other, you know, catching up on movies or TV shows. So Shark Week just didn't quite, it couldn't bump anything off the calendar for me. That makes sense. Uh, so last weekend, um, oh, for for those wondering, Eric will be back next week. To the best of my knowledge, he is on vacation. 
Um, thank upper, God for that. I think in the Upper Peninsula. So if you see him up there, if they if they even get like internet up there, um, say what say what's up to him. So this past weekend, I had a bit of an, a baseball extravaganza. Stayed with a college buddy in Chicago. We hit the Phillies at Brewers on Saturday, and then Mariners at White Sox on Sunday. Um, I got to tell you, Hook, it's really fun to watch baseball that's not the Tigers to kind of like step back a little bit. Just give yourself some context like, you know, baseball does go on beyond the crappy reality that is Tigers baseball right now. I doubt that very much, but do go on. Tell me, how well, was it being uh, watching the uh, Brewers take on the Phillies? Well, the, the, the first of all, the stadium there is really, really nice. Have you been up to Miller? I have not. No. It's it's really cool. Uh, we went there a couple years ago, and and the roof was closed, and it was it was nice. But with the roof open, it was a beautiful night. Like it it was just a really much more impressive venue. But like you go and and the bullpens don't suck, and the the base runners <laughs> don't make just terrible mistakes, and you know some of the managers don't make the most odd decisions. It's it's really um, it's a nice reminder that like beautiful baseball does exist. Uh, we saw Avi Sayil launch two absolute moonshots. It made me think, yeah, it'd be silly to have him in our outfield. Good thing we got good old Iggy. Iggy yeah, sure, that, that one worked out well for us. <laughs> uh, there, There is beautiful baseball out there, and I, I firmly believe that it will return to Detroit You know, at some point, probably not 10 years like some pessimists say, <laughs> but it, it will be back. And for now, yeah, you got to survive by finding other beautiful baseball. Thank God there are like 29 other teams plus the minor leagues. I know we'll get into a little bit of that. But, yeah, you do what you can until the Tigers come back to, you know, relevance. Speaking of relevance and the Tigers, um, I'm assuming that most of you probably saw this. Um, uh, but t- the Tigers finally made a trade this week. Uh, we'll get into it in a little bit more depth here in a second. But it's safe to say the trade was met with mixed reviews, could we say? mostly negative i would say but yeah <laughs> so the tigers got uh let's see double a third baseman dewall lugo high a shortstop sergio alcantara which is a fire emoji name by the way heck yes that is the that is an 80 grade name in that list absolutely high hopes for that guy just absolutely. based on the name and uh let's see low a shortstop jose king who i've already determined is the next billy hamilton so that probably is going to happen we might want to just get used to that idea uh, so no, tw- no comment yet. So go ahead. <laughs> Twitter gravitated towards the none of these guys are top ten, not you know top one hundred viewpoints, which that is true. Um, others were maybe a little bit more optimistic, but it got the juices flowing as far as trading goes. Um, did you enjoy uh, the the sell off in two thousand fifteen? Like, are you are you looking forward to what I've started to call trade season, which is the next week or so? Yeah, I enjoyed the last half of twenty fifteen after the trade deadline because we got, you know, Daniel Norris and Michael Fulmer and uh, uh, Matt Boyd. We got some players that were MLB ready. Uh, Norris and Boyd, of course, pitched, you know, the second half of that season. So from that standpoint, it was nice that a, the monkey was off the back. He didn't have to worry about the tigers. You know, are they going to compete? Are they not going to compete? It was just, it was over. It was done. You could just kind of relax and say, let's have fun watching these prospects. And so that, that was, I, I very much enjoyed, you know, post deadline 2015. Yeah, so I, I just hope that, you know, I, we want to talk about this a little, little bit later, but um, last year down the stretch was so, meh, like, it, it was a chore turning the game on every night. I really hope that there are some things, um, especially some of the guys that maybe we acquire in the next week, that will make it, in, you know, interesting turning the, t- the TV back on. Um, but the, go ahead. 
I was going to say, last last year was so meh at, towards the end, precisely because of what I just said. The monkey was still on your back. They were still <laughs> sort of in contention right up to the last week, and it was like, are you going to do it? Are you not going to do it? What are you doing? It got very difficult to watch at that point. And then, then they did not. They absolutely did not. No. So this brings us to this week's leadoff question. Uh, which completed trade by the Tigers in recent years has been your favorite? And it could be for, for any reason. Wow. That's a tough one. Because, I mean, do you go with, like, what was the one that inspired the most, you know, hooray reaction when it happened? Are you allowed to use hindsight? I mean, do you have to go from, like, most, like, recently completed? I'm just going to go with the most recent trade that actually had me kind of excited, super excited, actually, which was when they acquired Justin Wilson during the 2015-16 offseason. Uh, I thought that was a great trade. I immediately fired up some like highlight reels on YouTube, saw him strike out a bunch of batters with that wicked cutter fastball, and I was like, yes, this is an awesome trade. But, man, there's a, there's a lot to choose from. Yeah, we were really, really spoiled for a long time. And I think some of us had, had kind of an idea that that was the case. But in a more real sense, we really didn't enjoy it quite as much as maybe we should have, um, especially when we're playing with a little bit of a, a deck stacked against us at this point. Well, now we have that chance, right? Now we can look back in retrospect <laughs> and say, man, how awesome was that? Let, let's enjoy sort of the, the warm embers of that fire from a distance. But Yeah, you're definitely right. There have been a lot. The Shane Green one comes to mind. When I mm-hmm. when they traded for him, I thought, oh, this, this dude legit could be our ace. Um, mm. You know, things have taken a different path, and he still, he still worked out in, in a different way. Um, obviously, the Miggy trade... You know, we absolutely, I mean, that's an all-timer. But I think my favorite was the 2009 trade for Jared Washburn. It was kind of the first of the string of like, you know, we're going for this, gosh darn it. Um, You know, we're going for it at the deadline. Uh, Obviously, Sean Casey was the year before, but he was so boring. Like, he was helpful, but it, it wasn't fun in any way. But, like, I was a big fan of Washburn from his Angels days. Um, the cost was low. I was, like, I was I was so all in. And I remember the internet just freaking out about giving up Luke French. And I was like, dude, it's it's Luke French. <laughs> like, what is the downside here? Um, and, I actually, I ran some numbers. And by that, I mean I pulled up his baseball reference page. He made eight, start for, eight starts for us, had a 7.33 ERA, and never pitched again after the season. So, yeah. See, there you go. Now, so for me, easily a number two to the Justin Wilson, just in terms of sheer like shock value was Kinsler for for Prince Fielder. Yes, that one absolutely was like, are you kidding me? They actually pulled that off. I wanted Prince Fielder gone by that point. I thought we were stuck with him for another eight years or whatever the contract (laughs) was. And then they got Kinsler and it was like, they're going to have defense in the infield. (laughs) And they got rid of that huge contract. And yeah, that was super exciting. But that seems like just ages ago that that happened yeah that's a really interesting point because like the you know i said that the miggy trade goes down as an all-timer i mean truly that goes down almost just as i mean kind of in a different way but almost just as as important in kind of your all-time scheme i mean it was absolutely brilliant foresight Never saw it coming. Never. Um, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can. On Twitter, I am at JordanHall23. Hook is at HookSlide23. Uh, and the show is at Podcastianos. On the Instagram, fire emojis all over the place, at Jordino4, J-O-R-D-I-N-H-O, and the number 4, facebook.com backslash podcastianos. Um, and we'd love it if you would take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, or whatever other platform you're listening to the show on. We have a few fun ones to read out. Um, I figured no, I figured I'd wait till Eric got back. Um, 
because you know he's he's part of them so maybe maybe we'll read some of those out next week they're, they're pretty amusing so if you want if you want to leave us a review say something funny uh we'll read it out next week and you know every, everyone will be happy I'm Blaine Hardy, and you're listening to the podcast, Janos. Like I mentioned before, uh, it finally happened. JD has moved on to warmer climates, drier climates. I hear it's a dry heat down there. Um, <laughs> he's now a member of the Diamondbacks, and we have Alex Presley playing a lot of right field. Um, what was your immediate reaction um, from a fan's perspective, from a, from a timing perspective, uh, when you finally you know, saw the report and it said, boom, gone, these are the guys, what was the first thing that went through your mind? I mean, the first thing, it was obviously a little bit of sadness. Just, you know, we, we knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I, I figured he was, J.D. Martinez was obviously one of the hottest trade commodities we had next to maybe Justin Wilson. So I kind of figured that that was coming. And when it finally did, it was like, oh, oh, that, okay, well. All right. See you, buddy. And then it was on to having to kind of analyze, you know, I know at first when the news broke, it was JD goes to the Diamondbacks and it took a little while to come out with who did we actually get back. And I don't remember um, being able to feel a lot after that because Twitter erupted in just rage and anger, a dry heat to match the Arizona. And by the way, if if, if JD has like a really good slash line out there, is it like a dry OPS? Do you have to like adjust for <laughs> for the dry heat, know. just like you would in Coors? Yeah, that, that makes right. sense. <laughs> He's on fire, but it's kind of a dry heat. Uh, so, it, but really, honestly, when it comes to trades like that or any trade that we make, uh, especially when it involves prospects that, let's be honest, none of us knows who these guys are. We've never seen them play. We're relying entirely on second or third hand information. My kind of default spot is to say, I, I don't know, shrug emoji. Like, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I tend to fall more on the side of, would you please just trust the Tigers front office a little bit? I mean, prospects are hard to evaluate. We've seen can't miss prospects that go bust. You've seen prospects that nobody cared about suddenly erupt into what? Where did that guy come from? I mean, have we not learned our lesson? Did we not learn the lesson with Robbie Ray? Like, who was on fire for Robbie Ray when we finally traded him away? It was like, oh, good, bringing up Shane Green, right? Mm -hmm. And now we would kill to have Robbie Ray in the rotation right now. Uh, Corey Knable, you know, who was super on fire for Corey Knable when we traded him away? Now he's like the ace of the Milwaukee bullpen. You'd love to have that guy back. Hernan Perez. <laughs> who wasn't happy to see that guy go after 2014, right? And now yeah. he's tearing it up. Like, at some point you have to say – Maybe we don't really know as much as we think we do, especially about guys that we've never even heard of. So maybe just let's wait and see and trust a little bit that the Tigers have yeah, a little more information than we do. Yeah, and you were one of the big voices on Twitter right after it that kept saying, you know, Avila truly doesn't have a terrible track record as far as talent evaluation. Like He has a lot of good things on his resume. He was the one that found JD and, you know, a couple others. And that one really, like, my initial thought was, yikes, this probably isn't great. And then you said that, I'm like, you know what, he's he's right. Like, there is reason to stand behind Avila here. You know, maybe his free agent signings haven't been quite as sexy and fun as we might imagine. But, you know, th as far as finding some of these younger guys, I'm willing to give him a, a, a chance here. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, you talk, you go all the way back to him finding J.D. Martinez in the first place, you know, and scouting him and seeing he wanted to make the trade for J.D. before the Astros even dumped J.D. So he saw something long before. Uh, he was the one that I, I understand uh, pushed hard to get Michael Fulmer 
you know, in that deal for Johannes Cespedes. Look what Fulmer has turned into. And that, that's two instances right there of guys who I think their value was very much underrated. Nobody expected Fulmer to become the ace of the staff. You know, he was going to be a number three pitcher or whatever. But Avila saw something and wanted to go for him. So, look, again, I don't know anything about these prospects. None of us really do other than what we can pick up in the stat lines, which isn't much. You know, I'm going to go ahead and trust the guy. Since this is the only information I really have, I'm going to trust the guy who's got the track record as a really good talent evaluator. I feel like there was kind of the three camps as far as how people initially reacted. You had the you had the rational people like, you know, this is the best we could do. Weak sellers market. We had no leverage. Everyone knew that we had to move him, which all of those things are absolutely true. Um, you had the people that were like, yeah, Lugo, you know, he's going to be an everyday player, maybe more. You know, Alcantara is the next Dixon Machado. And obviously king is is billy hamilton and then you Clearly. have the the exact opposite you know the other side of the irrational spectrum they're all trash none of them are top 100 guys you know emily's never written about any of them avila knows nothing um it's we just we love wading in on things that we're not so sure on um and then you know there's there's you can always delete a tweet i guess that's that's what it comes back to but you shouldn't you have to absolutely own that stuff two years from now if you know dawa lugo becomes an awesome like all-star caliber player that nobody saw coming you absolutely are required by law to go back into your twitter feed from 2017 and retweet all your crap takes from from that week yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Lugo, um, have you learned much more since? He kind of reminds me of maybe a Jake Lamb light. Uh, is that is that feel semi-accurate? I'll tell you this. Uh, most of the information that I have is, again, it's on paper. It's stats. And I do not like to say a lot about players that I haven't actually seen play in a game. I think that's a huge part, especially at double A level. You know, you have to watch the guy get up there and take some at-bats, take some swings. Uh, so I've tried to watch as much uh, – video footage as I can of over this last week uh, through MILB TV, go back and watch the archive plays from the last night or try to watch a live game. If I can Uh, in the field, he looks good. The strong arm is there. That's what the prospects were saying. It's absolutely true. Uh, His bat speed. Absolutely there. He's got a fast bat and we, I watched him hit two home runs in one game yesterday and it was like, wow. Uh, One of those home runs was to like deep left center too. So he's got, uh, again, the scout said this. He's got some developing power that isn't necessarily uh, hasn't hit its ceiling yet. So with that bat speed, with that power, um, I mean, I think you've got the potential. Again, you never know with the prospect. He could bomb out next week and all sound stupid, but you might actually have an everyday Eugenio Suarez type third baseman there which and who, we would have back in a heartbeat at this point absolutely and i love to bring up the the suarez example again because it's like who was really upset that we traded him except for the fact that it was for alfredo simon nobody <laughs> liked the return but nobody was like oh suarez is a star don't let him go you know what you might have that back in lugo and the jury's going to be out for probably another year to two maybe even three so let's just hang back and see how the kid does and you hate to hate to put in positional, um, you know, valuability as far as uh, how you're dealing with it right now, because you know you never know what you're going to have in the future. But he really does fit in well to the current plans. You know, we we all love Nick, but Nick is not a long-term third baseman. There will be a, a spot opening up at either DH or first base, and maybe even you know, kind of rotating. You know, bringing Lugo up to ha- to man third base, a position he can clearly excel in. 
that does you know it just it feels like it's moving towards something where on the surface you look at that look at this and you're like yeah it's just kind of a pile pile of kids but there there is a little bit more to it which i which i appreciate um you know and and you don't, like i said you don't want to read too much into all right this guy's going to slot in here because anything can change in 2 years but it is a good start. It does feel like uh, something that Avila has has thought out, whereas maybe um, Tiger's Twitter doesn't really give him th- that um, that benefit of the doubt. Yeah, uh, if you don't think that Al Avila has like at least a five or six year plan on paper, you're crazy. He absolutely does. He's already been looking at next year's draft to see who the Tigers want to target. I mean, he's way ahead of this. And I'm glad you brought up the whole idea of kind of long term plan. That's something that I think maybe was part of what fired so much of the anger on Twitter, you know, for seeing the prospects that we got back for J.D. Martinez, is that people are watching, say, the Chicago White Sox just stock their system with guys that are top 10, top 20, guys that are going to be, like, major league ready within the next year. And I think they're kind of expecting and hoping, praying desperately, that the Tigers are going to do something similar and get back some major league ready guys that can help them compete in 2018. And I'm telling you over and over again, that is not the plan. The plan is not to reload quickly and get top 100 prospects. We don't have the assets. That's, that's exactly all, right. Yeah. That the White Sox did. Uh, but the plan is to get guys who I think are double A, maybe on the cusp of triple A, like Lugo, Alcantara and so on. And kind of target the 2019-2020 seasons. That's when these guys are going to start to come, you know, full full flower. And I think Avila is already talking about Lugo as maybe an everyday third baseman for 2019. I think is what he was talking. You got to remember, Castellanos is free agent at the end of 2019. So either you extend him and make him a DH, or you let him walk, or you try to trade him in 2019. I mean, who knows? Like you said, the world can change in 2019. A meteor could fall and just cancel earth and that's it (laughs) very very true so going back to the white Sox, people forget that like quintana had a lot of time left to run on his deal chris sale had all of these years at nice prices like these are much more tradable assets than anything that we have and plus you know when you get guys that are from you know that are going to play down at single a down at double a it just gives us more time to get excited about him like that's not I don't know. I, I feel like I'm. I enjoy the, the more that the more that that we can get excited about them. You know, growing up essentially, the more we'll enjoy them when they get to the big leagues. Either that, or the more pissed it will be at them for not having been ready three years ago. Stephen. Well, <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you what. This is you're you're under the uh, Al Avila regime now. This is not Dave Dombrowski's world. So. Chances are these guys are not going to just be traded in the next two years. We're going to get to watch them develop and become what they're going to become for better, for worse. Uh, But this, folks, this is what a rebuild looks like. It's sticking young guys, you know, in the lower levels of the farm system and then watching what comes out of it. Now, King has been assigned to uh, where, where has he been assigned to? He's in the Gulf Coast League there down playing in Lakeland on the backfields of Joker Merchant Stadium. So when, when is he going to come up to, to Grand Rapids? Because we'll, we'll definitely have to <laughs> have to have a, an outing for that one. Well, I mean, he is only 18. Uh, and I will tell you, I would I just talk to my friend Brian Sikowski on our podcast last week. Brian is a national scouting coordinator for Perfect Game USA. He's got some contacts inside the Tigers, you know front office and whatever and uh he told us that that's that's the kid they're actually most excited about is jose king he is a super toolsy super upside 
which usually comes with a lot more risk, but mm-hmm. he's the one that they're kind of chasing. And uh, I love the fact that they're doing that. I love the fact that they did the exact same thing by drafting Ronaldo Rivera in the second round when other people said fourth round, fifth round. He's a super high upside guy, super risk. He could be Steven Moya. But, but you know, for a judge, he could. He's got 70 raw power. You know, he, he needs work on his hit tools so he can bring that 70 raw power into the game. But, uh, you know, in years past, the Tigers would draft safely. They would draft, you know, low ceiling guys with low risk like Tyler Collins <laughs> or, you, you know, know, hard throwing right right handers from the SEC that they can trade. Right. I mean, <laughs> these are the guys that you don't have to put a ton of development time into and they're fairly safe because the whole idea was let's trade them as quickly as we can for, you know, major league talent uh, with the world changing the way it is. They need more of these high upside guys even though there's more risk. But to me, that says they're committed to the process. They're committed to actually developing these players. So I love that they went after Jose King. I love that they drafted Ronaldo Rivera. Matt Manning is another one last year, super high upside guy, but he could flame out next year. You never know. So love the new direction. And just because we've been burned by Moya doesn't necessarily mean that all of our guys with massive tools and risk are going to flame out. Like, I feel like there's a collective Moya paranoia that's come across our fan base that anyone who you can distrust a little bit you know uh, he's gonna hit 210 and and look like a deer in the outfield like i guess actually (laughs) actually a deer would probably be a good thing in the outfield i don't know whatever the opposite of that would be that's what moya looks like in the outfield and we need to kind of get away from that because toolsy guys are the ones that get to be the best players in the game like you can't get to be the the very top unless you have all those tools and just because those guys often flame out doesn't mean that ours will. I mean, recently they have, but that doesn't mean they always will. Yeah, and I say that's still part of the philosophy, too, because the, the Tigers just weren't as interested in spending time on player development, you know, in the past. So even a guy like Moya might have fallen victim to, you know, that mentality. And honestly, one of the first things Avila did when he took over was said, we're going to now implement a system in the minor leagues where we get more uh, unified coaching across the different levels because we don't have that right now. That's something that the Yankees did back in the 90s, something that the Tampa Bay Rays did when they had some success. It's absolutely necessary. I'm hoping that that kind of smooths out some of those wrinkles. And again, that's not something that Stephen Moya ever got to take advantage of. Who knows what kind of conflicting instructions he was getting from (laughs) single A to double A to triple A. And now he's back in double A trying to make it work. He hit a monster shot last night. I I, I didn't see where it went. I just saw the swing and you could tell, oh, see ya. I'm still waiting for it to come down. That's why that video never ended because I don't think it ever came down. So it may be too late for a Stephen Moya. I don't know. He's getting kind of old at this point, but uh, I'm not terribly worried about guys like Ronaldo Rivera, Matt Manning, any of these other like super high risk but high reward guys. I think they're committed to the process now. Okay, so we have one week till the deadline. Uh, I believe it's four o'clock a week from today, which is Monday. Is that correct? Are you taking the day off? Uh, no, I probably won't take the day off, but I mean, it'll be a metaphorical day off. I'll be on my phone all day. (laughs) Um, so we have four, I have four names written down. Um, somehow they all kind of link together. Uh, let's start with Verlander gut feeling. Does he stay? Does he go gut feeling just shooting from the hip? I'm thinking he's probably here. Uh, for all the obvious reasons, people know, right? The guy is owed $28 million next year, year after. If his option vests, it's another $22 million for that you know, following year. Uh, it's a lot of money, and 
I, I have every confidence that he's not done. He's not declining. He's having a weird season, but he's going to bounce back next year and be phenomenal. And believe me, other GMs see that. They have their own scouts, too. They are absolutely not like us fans. They're like, oh, he's got a 4.5 ERA. Scratch that. They're not like that. <laughs> they know more than we do. So I don't think that's anywhere near a concern for other teams. I think it's more about the contract and, you know, that that sort of thing. So I think he's probably here. I enjoy the fact that they – well, it wasn't an announcement. Some, somebody had the scoop today that the Tigers were willing to eat some money on him to mm-hmm. actually acquire a package of prospects. Uh, as far as shedding payroll, I think I talked about this two weeks ago. I don't want them to, to trade him just to shed payroll. Like, we can get rid of payroll in other ways. Verlander is the guy at this point. Like, If you're going to get a package back that gives you a useful player, two useful players, somebody that's going to help you move in a new direction, then by all means, it'll be really it'll be a big bummer, but you know, do what you got to do. If we're trading him just to save, you know, the the twenty million, you know, twenty million dollars times however many years, I don't know. I, I'm willing to eat a lot of money to watch Justin Verlander pitch, you know, thirty plus times a year in Detroit. Like that, that seems like a fair payout. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna cut elsewhere, that's fine. But it's Verlander. Like he he is the guy. Yeah, he is. And, you know, Al Avila gave that quote back uh, maybe a week or two ago on MLB Network that people got all up in arms about because they read it the wrong way. But he was basically saying uh, we're under no constraints right now to trade anybody because of financial reasons. And, you know, we could it, we could possibly move forward with no trades and go on with this current team. And people flipped out and were like, <laughs> the Tigers are going to stand pat. I said, no, all he's saying is what you this is exactly what we want him to say, what we want to hear, that they are not pressured because of payroll to dump JV for inferior prospects. They don't need to dump salary. They can eat that money. That's fine. They can keep paying him next year. So if he gets traded, it's going to be because they found the prospects that they want. And again, believe me, they've had a list for months of guys that they want from every farm system. They've had their scouts out there long before you and I ever saw anything on Twitter about how the Brewers might be looking at him. Guess what? The, their scouts were already out there. They so, knew how good Lewis Brinson was. Who? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's move on. Avila, uh, he has to go, right? I feel like there's this this undercurrent on Twitter that thinks Avila won't trade his kid. Avila already let his kid walk once. Like that's not uh, that's not a not a thing. Um, what is he oh. worth at this point, though? He, like he is a he's a good backup catcher who's tailed off a little bit. Um, surely if we can get anything useful, we have to move him and, you know, see what McCann and Hicks can do for the rest of the year. Like I, I've come to really like Avila. Like I was, I was never his, his biggest fan before he left the first time, but, oh. um, confession you know, time for yeah, Jordan. All I mean, right. Not necessarily, you know, didn't like him just, he, he was never, I, I was, I was fine when he left, I guess we'll just put it that way. Um, but at this point, he's, when we're good again, he's not going to be in the picture. And who might be is McCann or Hicks. I'm, I'm questionable on, on both of them. But uh, I would like to see what, what, what opening a spot for them kind of in the, in the everyday ri- lineup can do. Yeah, there's a lot of variables to consider when you're talking about whether you move Avila or not. And certainly him being related to Al Avila has nothing to do with it, obviously. Uh, he is a two-month rental. He's free agent in or 2018. So if his daddy loves him that much, he can always sign him again. That's not going to be an issue. Um, but you have to think about things like the fact that he is a backup catcher. 
and he is a two-month rental as a backup catcher. I can't think of a lower value for a tradable <laughs> player than those two things. Uh, you the only talk thing about, he does have going in his favor is he's a left-handed bat. He is that. He's a veteran catcher. You know, you talk. the Cubs have been, I guess, interested in maybe getting him. That could happen. Um, but when you look at like maybe tw- I think it was at the beginning of 2016 when the Tigers traded Brian Holiday to the Texas Rangers right before the season started and they got like Miles Jay and Bobby Wilson. Th- that's probably what you're looking at for a return for for Alex Avila. And again, the Tigers front office has just mounds and mounds of spreadsheets with all kinds of facts and figures about, you know, dollars per war and runs created and all this other stuff that we don't even know about. They already have a target that says if if we get this in exchange for Alex, then we'll pull the trigger. If not, it makes more sense just to hang on to him if they trade him. There's still value in him sticking around for the rest of the season. They still need a catcher, right? I mean, if they trade him, who, who? who do they bring up? I mean, you mentioned I would, Hicks, Hicks you know. would probably, I would assume. But there, I mean, there's, there's no pressure to force Alex Avila out. So again, I think they're in a good spot where if they can get a good deal, I think it would probably end up being a package deal. Honestly. Yeah. That would make, you know, that would make sense. Avila plus Verlander or something, but otherwise you, no pressure to let the guy go. Speaking of package deal, the report today was that, uh, they're trying to package Wilson and Kinsler, send them to the brewers, essentially, uh, sweetening Kinsler's contract with Justin Wilson. How do you like that idea? That feels, uh, when I saw that, I was like, oh boy, we're not going to get anything for them, are we? Wait, say that again. Wilson, Kinsler to the Brewers, you said? Yeah, I I don't remember. Maybe Morosi or... Yeah, that's I right. I, I don't remember who... who my apologies to them. I'm sure, I'm sure they're you, listening, but... Okay, you threw me off for half a second because you were like, what are we going to get for those guys? But, like, how else are you going to get Brinson? Unless you package your ace, you know, reliever with your very controllable performing second baseman. Oh, I'd love to get Brinson for the two of them. I just think that by packaging them, I'm not... uh, It it feels like you're giving them the good piece to take the bad piece. That seemed to be how I was reading into the tweet, that, that Wilson was the guy they really wanted. Kinsler was the guy that they kind of wanted, but not at that price. So if you give them, you know, give them something they want, they'll take something they don't. And that we're probably not going to get much of anything beyond mm. losing the Kinsler contract, which I say we mm-hmm. we have one more year on him. Just if you, if you're just looking to get cheap. rid of it. Yeah. Like that's not that big of a deal. Um, obviously the Brewers have two second basemen that are fine. It's not like Kinsler has been lighting the world on fire either. Um, but oh my gosh, don't get me started on if they could get Lewis Brinson. I don't know where my I fascination know. with him started, but I am. This is what I need to understand. <laughs> I'm over the top for him. He would look so good in a Tigers uniform. We need somebody that can patrol center field. Is he that could, strictly what it's based on? Like could, body type would fit the uniform really well. <laughs> he could hit. He could hit one. He could hit three. I mean, he could hit six or seven. Like he's a he's a very versatile player. He's got some power. He got some speed. And I feel like he's always been just a step below that like top tier prospect. But with the tools, you know, obviously he's been top twenty forever or whatever. But I feel like he's never been quite in that in that top ten bracket. But he's got the tools to be right there. I think he could. I think it could all happen in Detroit. Although Mikey's like, no man, don't step on my turf. Yeah, I, I'm him, not course. sure about Mikey been going forward, but, you know, God bless him for what he's doing right now. But you might, you know, go ahead and consider taking a, a Brinson, you know, if you can get him in a package deal. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so, 
you know, Justin Wilson is being courted apparently by so many different teams that I don't even know exactly which ones are even for sure in. I know the Astros have been mentioned. Now the Brewers have been mentioned, maybe a couple others that I'm forgetting right now. But uh, I think that's going to be whether or not Kinsler gets to go to the Brewers with him is going to depend on what other teams are offering, maybe just for Wilson straight up. That makes sense. Um, so let's see. We, we discussed Verlander. Uh, gut feeling, does Avila go? Uh, probably not. Okay. Unless they can find a way to package it. Probably not. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, Willie? Yeah, he's – I would give that a 9 out of 10 probability there. Completely uh, agree just, there. just because you have so many people that are interested. And I know Al is playing all cool in the press right now and being like, no, we might hang on to him. Well, that's good. Absolutely do that. If Same the names, leverage. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if, if the names that are on your list aren't the names coming back in a trade, then hang on to him. He's under control next year. You can try and trade him in the offseason. You can try and trade him at the deadline next year because Lord knows the Tigers are going to suck next year too. <laughs> a lot of time to work with Jay Will. And Kinsler. So you stay, stay or go? I'm going to say he stays. Again, unless uh, this is the first time him and, and the Brewers, that's the first rumor I've heard involving Kinsler that was anywhere near to like being taken seriously if that deal gets done okay that's a one way I could see him going otherwise no probably not um so I'm gonna go on record I don't think we get Brinson though I would definitely love to see that the the two Jordan, guys I'm rooting for you I'm rooting for you 100 I hope it happens that oh my gosh that would be that would be great the two guys that I do think we have a legit chance at Derek Fisher and uh Brett Phillips those I would if we came away with from the deadline with one of those two guys, I would be ecstatic. Obviously, even more ecstatic with Brinson. Yeah, um, and, and we talked to you on our podcast last week with Chris Brown, who writes for Tigstown, a guy who knows other teams' systems pretty well. And he was of the opinion that Derek Fisher was absolutely obtainable uh, if the Astros wanted Justin Wilson. Throw in Justin Verlander, because I heard those two names linked together to the Astros. You might even get Derek Fisher plus Teoscar Hernandez, another outfielder. I think he's like number seven or eight in their system. Good deal. I, I would do that in a heartbeat. Uh, I'm going to skip over a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I asked you if anything on field recently has elicited any sort of reaction from you, good or bad. That Eduardo Escobar home run that he hit yesterday that traveled nine-tenths of the way to the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> that w- Did you see it? That was an absolute moonshot. That was that was the first thing in, in two weeks that made me like, oh, dang. Like, that just happened. No, I have to be... Full disclosure here: I haven't actually watched Tigers baseball in like two and a half weeks. Uh, not not to miss much. <laughs> not to say that I'm not in tune with what's happening. What I do now is I'll like I'll sit on the deck with my wife, you know, and enjoy the summer evening while I have it on the radio. Awesome. And you can always hear like you know if Dan Dickerson starts going nuts and you can hear his voice escalating, you know, then you know to like pay attention like what just happened. And you know I'll watch the highlight reels afterwards just to see what the plays looked like, but. I haven't actually been really watching, so it's a good way to do it. Dan, Dan is the man. Like Jim. Oh yeah. You you, you sit through Jim to get to Dan again. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a okay. Good way of putting it. Okay, so uh, I wanted to get into this in much more more depth, but we are running a little bit long. White caps. You've been going quite a bit. I love seeing all of your tweets about them. I feel like I'm part of the team, essentially from your timeline. Who have been some of the guys that have been standing out? Uh, yeah, if you're following my Twitter at all, then you know for sure Zach Houston is big on my list. This ace out of the bullpen right now who is just absolutely striking everybody and their brother out. Uh, and real big hopes for this kid uh, with that electric fastball, that wipeout curve slider that he throws. Um, I-, I think he's got a good shot. Um, Tom DeBlock 
another weird story. This guy who was pitching out of the bullpen to start comes, uh, he goes down to Connecticut for one start, comes back to West Michigan, and now he's in a starter's role. Uh, he pitched today. He now has a, a strikeout to walk ratio of 28 to 1. Wow. That is insane what he's doing. But the pinpoint command this guy has, awesome. A uh, couple other names I'd throw out John Schreiber, again, out of the bullpen, sidearm. Uh, with a vicious, vicious slider. This guy's also striking everybody out. Uh, Gregory Soto as a starter. Um, I don't know if he's going to stick as a starter, but you've got a potential, you know, I think his ceiling might be a number five, but probably bullpen. And then lastly, don't forget about Derek Hill, right? He's back. He finally came back uh, maybe a week and a half ago, and he's made, I don't know, eight, nine, ten, just amazing defensive plays in center field that you're like, yes, Whitecaps baseball and minor league baseball. Yes, I can't wait to see this guy finally get to Detroit. And it sounds like he's been sticking a little bit. He should. I mean, I I know he's only like, what, 21, so he's still got some, some time to go. He just came back from Tommy John surgery, so he's kind of coming back in the middle of the season to get back up to speed. But, look, I know he strikes out a lot, but when he hits the ball, he hits it hard. And he's been robbed several times this year. That's impacting his low batting average. But I've seen him double, triple. There was one point when he had, like, five hits total, and four of the five were extra base hits. (laughs) Once he gets on base, forget it. He's stealing second. He's stealing third. He might even steal home just to be a jerk. (laughs) Like, he's got so many tools, and he's so young. Big, big hopes for this guy. Yeah, and you know, I feel like this kind of goes back to our King and uh, Rivera talk. Like, there is such a, a raw tool, and and many raw tools there, but specifically with that speed, that we just don't have a ton of guys with one tool that sticks out so mightily. Um, and you know, even if he doesn't turn out to be you know a great player, if he's a great defensive center fielder, that is something that is an amazing asset for us. And if, in, even if he's the fourth or fifth outfielder. You know, how many times over the last five years have we thought, man, it'd be really cool if we had somebody that could play a good center field, essentially since, this, since Jackson left? Yeah, this guy is, you know, in the 2080 skill and prospect scouting, this guy is easily a 70, if not an 80 defender. He's an elite defender. I have watched him go to both sides, rob, you know, balls that were headed for the gap, diving plays, sliding plays up against the wall. Like you can't get a base hit off this guy. I can't remember the last center fielder the Tigers had that was this good. Austin Jackson did a great job. But this is beyond even that. Austin Jackson didn't dive much, did he? (laughs) He don't ever think he did. Maybe once. (laughs) I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. All right. Are you ready to get to your power rankings? Oh yeah, power rankings. Yes. Okay. Let's uh let's do that. Um these are some big shoes to fill, but uh 
Eric mentioned a couple weeks back that one of the most popular power rankings, I think it was actually on our show that when you guys came on, uh, was the Pop Tarts power ranking that got <laughs> just a ton of feedback. I remember and this one. Yep. It lives to this day. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to aim high. You know, I'm going to be high upside, high risk, you know, <laughs> and try to go with a power ranking that might actually surpass that. So we're going to do brands of breakfast cereal. Oh, this is a good topic. This is a good okay. one. Definitely. I figured it's already something people are going to be like super opinionated about. Uh, please at me all you want on this one. <laughs> but you're wrong and I'm right. So here's the top seven, bottom three. Starting with number seven is grape nuts. Now, grape nuts gets a lot of guff, I know, because it's like eating gravel. However, you've been doing it wrong. If you do it right, you put a little bit of milk on it, you heat it up in the microwave, Ooh. minute, minute and a half, maybe a little bit of honey if you need some sweetness. It's amazing that way. And I know, like, Jerry Seinfeld dogged on it, was like, hey, what's the deal? No grapes, no nuts. <laughs> Jerry, the flavor is real, and it's spectacular. That's number seven. Number six is super golden crisp. This is just a fun cereal, right? Little rice puff type things, but with like honey sugar on it. This would have been higher on my list, except it used to be called Super Sugar Crisp, which mm -hmm. is a great name for a cereal. But they kind of backed off. They wussed out and they were like, we can't call it Sugar Crisp. Parents won't buy it. They named it Super Golden Crisp. Sorry, that drops you in my rankings. Yeah, that's Stick a cop out. Guns. That's yeah. a cop out. Number five is Frosted Flakes. This is a, a standard, right? Yeah. And they're great. You can't lose with a cereal. Plus, the voice of Tony the Tiger, I don't know if you knew this, but that's Thrill Ravenscroft, who was also the voice of the Grinch in the original. Oh. Yeah, he sang the song, right? You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. That's the guy who voiced Tony the Tiger. Damn, so. what, a, what a versatile dude. Exactly. That's number five. <laughs> number four is... Reese's Puffs. Yes, now we're talking. Now, I, I loved Cocoa Puffs for years, but I had to improvise. I used to sit down when I was a kid with a bowl of Cocoa Puffs and a jar of peanut butter, and I would <laughs> scoop some peanut butter and then scoop some cereal and eat it together to get that experience. Well, they fixed it for me. Reese's Puffs. Now I don't have to eat peanut butter straight from the jar. My doctor approves. <laughs> yeah, Reese, Reese's Puffs are where it's at. That, that would probably be my number one, definitely. On the right track. Number three, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, that's now, again, going back to childhood, Cinnamon Toast. Can you remember the first time you learned your mom or your dad taught you how to make Cinnamon Toast? It was so awesome. Like, oh, I could just drop bread in the toaster, put a little butter, a little cinnamon sugar on top. Awesome. It was freedom. And they found out how to make it into a cereal. Like, yeah. whoa. Awesome stuff. It does great things to the milk, too. Yeah. Easily. Under, underrated benefit. Yeah, definitely. That's a good call. If you like a lot of sugar sludge in your milk at the end, Cinnamon <laughs> Toast Crunch is for you. Number two would have to be Golden Grams. Yeah. This goes back to childhood, too. A lot of these do. Uh, number one, if you grew up in the 80s, then you remember that they used the Turtles song, Happy Together, as their commercial jingle. And they kind of rewrote it to make it all about honey and golden grams and all that. It was very cool commercial. Plus, when I was a kid, my mom never bought us like these sugar cereals, except for like maybe once a month. And we'd get like a special treat and it'd be like oh, box of golden grams. And it had that like silver foil inner bag. Just a huge treat. Number two is absolutely golden grams. Do you want to guess at number one? My only guess would be Fruit Loops. Sorry, no. Fruit Loops, tricks, those didn't make the list. I'm, just, oh, okay. I'm not a big fruit in the cereal. Guys. Yeah, I'm not really either. That was just the only other one that came to mind. <laughs> Number one is life. 
Life cereal. Wonderful little wheat squares that are dusted with like little sugar crystals. Plus, again, if you grew up in the 80s, then you know about Mikey, the little <laughs> kid in the commercial. His older brothers were jerks. They were like, we're not going to eat this cereal. Let's pass it off on Mikey. And then they're like, oh, Mikey likes it. Now we like it. Well, the truth of the matter is at some point Mikey ate some Pop Rocks and drank some Coca-Cola and died. So he gave his life for this cereal. <laughs> if that doesn't make it a number one, I don't know what does. R.I.P. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what Mikey could have been? Probably Bottom been a tech three. billionaire. That'd be my guess. The youngest <laughs> kid always is. That's right. Bottom three. We'll start with third from the worst. Crispy Critters. This would have absolutely made worst on the list, except for the fact that it's out of production. Now, it was like animal crackers, except if they were flavorless and had been like set out to dry for a decade. It, <laughs> it was disgusting. awful. They were dry. They were flavorless. No. Ew. Terrible. Well, I'm glad I'd never experienced that. That sounds terrible. Number two might surprise you. It's Cookie Crisp. Just never did it for me. I mean, you open the box, it's little cookies with little chocolate chips. But you know what? You promised cookies, and you delivered little discs of disappointment. <laughs> they stayed hard in the milk. They weren't really, like, cookie-like. No, forget that. You promised, you under-delivered. Number two is Cookie Crisp. Yeah, get that crap out of here. Yeah, never again. <laughs> How about uh, the worst? Want to guess? I actually have no guesses. I'm running out of, of oh, uh, Frosted Mini Wheats, maybe. No, I actually kind of like that one. Yeah, I, I do, too. I just, I just couldn't think of any one. other cereal. It's hard to find a bad cereal, to be quite honest. There's a lot of good ones. Like, a lot came real close to making the list, but they didn't. But the absolute worst one is Captain Crunch. This is a known destroyer of roofs of mouths, and they have known this for decades, and they just don't care. They're like, you're still going to buy this. How is this cereal still in production? You can let that sit in the milk for three days, and it's still going to lacerate the soft tissue in your mouth, and you're going to be angry about it for the rest. This can ruin a week for you. Cap'n Crunch, here you go. Straight trash. <laughs> it's awful. Hate it. Don't ever buy it. That's Power Rankings. Hello, this is Eric's mom, and you're listening to the Podcast Yanos. Well done. That was, that was much better than any of my fill-in power rankings. That was that was a, a fire emoji topic and a fire emoji list. I, I have nothing to add to that. It's very, very thorough and complete. Um, but this is actually a conversation worth having. You know, amidst, in midst of all the, the politics and all the crap on Twitter, this is what we really should be talking about. So add us on this. I, I'm, uh, I'm very curious to hear what you guys have to say. You as like in the said, listeners. Bring it. Yeah, bring the fire. I don't care. My list is right and yours is inherently wrong. But go ahead and at me anyway. Um, wasn't a particularly busy week on the side of the road. I did pass a lady that was out of her car. Her husband was actually out of the car too, looking on in disgust at her as she was clipping with scissors uh, wildflowers from the side of the road. It was on somebody's property, um, so I'm assuming that <laughs> makes it their wildflower. I, I don't know how the, the wildflower law works. Um, but you could tell that this is something that the old lady does to this old man regularly, and he just – he was having none of it. Um, so that, that's what like, I saw on the side of the road while running. Like he was upset because she made him wait or because she was embarrassing him by taking the flowers? Now that's a good question. I'm, I'm actually not sure. It could, it could go either way. Either way is legit reason to be upset. So. Yeah. 
Yankee. <laughs> get it get it together, lady. All right, let's move on to some Twitter questions. Um, if you got your questions in after I prepared for the show, my apologies. I will get to it next week, hopefully. All right, let's start with Zach McCurdy. He asks, uh, why does Comerica Eric have an Instagram account that he doesn't use? Um, is he purposefully being a tease? Honestly, that would be my assumption. Uh, that does feel like something Eric would do. Well, and he's camera shy, too. And Instagram is all about the photos. So I, I, I get it. He's more of a words guy. Twitter is more his medium. Yeah, and you can't be um, as snarky and as uh, witty on Instagram, I wouldn't say. Now, what are you going to take pictures of random things and just like be like, oh, there's a picture. Ha, ha, ha. What I like to do is take a picture of somebody taking a picture and then label it meta. <laughs> I approve. <laughs> um, speaking of Eric, at Comeric Eric tweets us, why isn't Eric doing the podcast if he can still find time to tweet questions to you? <laughs> such, a to- such a tool. And I can say that because he won't listen. Such, Jerk. Such a tool. Um, at Jeremy Troya asks us, um, whoops, how close will either of you get to being fired from your day jobs on deadline day from watching Twitter.com instead of actually working? I already feel a headache coming on for Monday, so that's that's my excuse. It's one of those days that you want to be on the actual Twitter.com on your computer as opposed to on your phone. Like, yes, it's it's one thing to open your phone for three minutes and, and check your feed. But if you're going to be on there like all day, just constantly click and refresh, you need to be on the website so you can pretend like, you know, I am typing words. This is something I'm working on. Yeah, this is why I kind of hope that they whatever they do, like we said, Wilson's probably the most likely to go. I hope they do that kind of before the deadline, and then I can kind of hang back and be like, they're probably not doing anything else on Monday. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. That that would be ideal. Although there was some there was some something magical about the excitement of when uh, Price came over. What was that? Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. That the yeah. last hour was like, oh my gosh, it's all happening. Yeah, you want to be a part of it, so I, I get it. Um, at Breslin Birds asks us, what was a stronger feeling for you, the sadness of seeing a Ducey go down again or the happiness of Verhagen coming up? I'm assuming that's probably addressed to me. Um, to Verhagen coming up. I forgot that we should we should have led the show with this. I'm so pumped to see him back. Um, you know, I've been on record many times as saying I think he can succeed. I really hope that's true. And for him, I, I hope it's true. Um, dude's come, He's been through a lot. Emily said that he's one of the nicest guys out there. Um, just one of the guys that you really... You know, you hope things are going to work out for because, you know, you like to see nice things happen to nice people. I can't argue with any of that. Uh, so I, I don't feel the need to uh, disparage your bizarre attraction to Drew Verhagen. I mean, at least he's not Johnny Kane. So. Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, he's not. They actually have a, have a slight passing resemblance, I'd say. <laughs> so They're tell me what, what – Jordan, what happens if the Tigers do get Lewis Brinson at the same time that they move Johnny Kane into the booth <laughs> and then bring up Drew Verhagen to be like color analyst? Oh, my gosh. That, would, that I mean, might just be the end of me. I would just spontaneously combust. Same. or or something else i don't know what would be worse than that or better than that i don't know um robert baker asks us have tigers prospects gotten that much better or are we just more aware due to this trash fire of the season no they've gotten better they've i've been watching these white caps since like 2013 ish uh and there were relatively few guys to get super excited about uh they've definitely gotten a lot better that's kind of what I was thinking, too. You definitely are far more on the front lines as far as noticing that, though. So hopefully you are correct. Um, Jesse Germain asks, if this is a really good question. Actually, two really good questions. Any chance of a six-man rotation when Norris is healthy to save innings? 
Well, that assumes Norris is ever going to freaking get healthy. Yeah. He went down for like two rehab starts and then re-aggravated the groin injury. So he, I mean, how many weeks left in the season, right? At some yeah, point, that's, that's very they might true. just say, forget it, man. Come back next year. I hope at some point they do start to limit Fulmer's innings, though. Um, I don't want to see him blow out his arm before we're good again. And I feel like I keep saying that. And the more I do, the more I'm jinxing him. But he is so <laughs> important to us. We can't afford to to waste his prime on these terrible years. We're going to be good again. And when we are, he's going to be, you know, the number one. And yes. I would love it if he was still at the very top of his powers when that happens. So no say- reason not to. I mean, he's got a max effort delivery. So there is some concern over, like, are you going to blow that out? And you're right. There's no reason to you know burn him out in a year that they're not going to compete so just you know go easy daniel norris on the other hand he's probably going to die in a tragic accident in the off season because he was like trying to bench press his van or something and that's just going to be the end of it yeah and and boyd um you know we need boyd making starts every five or six days Mm -hmm. like that's just Mm -hmm. he's he is a a talent level worth exploring Um, oh and the second part of this question favorite seinfeld episodes uh, this is a really tough one because, I mean, quite oh, literally anything from after the first season on. Um, there's one where Kramer gets mistaken for uh, a handicapped kid because he had lidocaine in his mouth and he ends up at uh, a ball for it, which is just like it's just the most absurd, uh, you know, situation and scenarios, which I mean. That's pretty much all of them, but uh, that one, I think, it, I think it's called the Jimmy. I think it's when when George invests in Jimmy's uh, s- sneakers that make you jump higher because George, you know, clearly wants to dunk or, or whatever. Tough question. It really is. I'm a big Seinfeld fan. I'm going to have to go with a little bit lesser known. I think it was season three or four. It's the episode where they get invited to uh, somebody's house for dinner. Maybe someone that Elaine was dating or something. Anyway, the point is. George brings uh, like a babka bread or cake or something, and it never gets put out for dinner. So on the way back, he's like he's so upset. Like they never even put it out. That cake is still mine. I should be able to take it back. So they like they get this whole scheme to get back and sneak in and take. I think the it's cake uh, Susan's parents. There you go. It's Susan's parents. Yeah. And it might be bread, marble bread or something, marble rye, I think. But the reason why this is so funny, I, I kid you not, I joke with this about my wife all the time. She and her best friend are Seinfeld characters. They're, they're, they both got this kind of like, yeah, not to be racist, but Seinfeld himself said this. It's kind of a whiny Brooklyn Jew approach to life. You know, like mm-hmm. that's what they are. And when I watched that episode, I was like, you guys have had this conversation. The two of you have sat in my house and had this exact conversation about an exact <laughs> same scenario. Real life becomes hilarious art. I love that episode. Yeah, and the um, one where Jerry says, who would leave a non-pony con- country to come to a pony country? <laughs> and right. the the grandma says, I had a pony. I that, had a pony. <laughs> that one gets me every time. All right, last question. Uh, at Jake, or let's see, Jake Skronik uh, asks us, actually, it's several parts. I'll answer these um, individually. Is the ICC overblown, which is the International Championships Cup? Um, it's soccer in America. America. Uh, it's a tournament. Essentially, basically, Jake, what my opinion on the ICC is the thing itself is wildly overblown. Like nobody cares how they do when they come over there, but it's a chance for us to see the best soccer teams in the world. Like the event itself is way overblown, but the result is pretty awesome. I mean, we're going to get to, we saw Real Madrid United play last night, Real or United play Barcelona, I think tomorrow night. 
Um, Real Madrid play Barcelona. Like, there's just all these matchups that would never be on American soil otherwise. Um, so that, I mean, I, I dig it. And it gives us, you know, it's always on ESPN, so we get the chance to watch it. Brought brought soccer to Comerica Park, which wasn't the unmitigated disaster that everyone assumed it was going to be, by the way. So just chill out on that front. Um, let's see. Will you ever do a soccer podcast? Probably not. I love soccer, but I don't know that I can speak about it intelligently enough to have any sort of of uh, opinion on it. Um, and last one. This is this is a good one. Baseball related. Um, another list of most punchable faces in baseball slash players that you hate irrationally. In his entry is Colby Rasmus. Oh, that's a hard one to beat. I mean, Colby Rasmus should be just punched repeatedly, never ever stop. Uh, mine consistently throughout the years has been Michael Brantley, uh, not really? only because he's a tiger killer, mm-hmm. but when you when they do those camera shots of him like from the side and he's at the plate and looking at the camera, he just had this like really super arrogant like yeah i just killed your cat and i don't even care kind of look (laughs) on his face he just looks like i want to punch that face he's probably a great guy but some people just have a face you want to hit yeah i i've never gotten that vibe from him but if he has killed your or anyone else's cat i can understand why why that would be a problem um mine is salvador perez you know obviously there were all the years when the royals were just a, a touch better than us I don't know, dude. Just he rubs me the wrong way. He, I feel like him and, and Hosmer are the face of that. You know, hey, let's jam the ballot box to get all of our Royals to the All Star game. Just <laughs> all of that douchebaggery. That that's that's not my thing. Oh man, I love that neither of us picked Tigers players or, or personnel for that because Brad Osmus has a punchable face. Absolutely, <laughs> entirely punchable face. I feel like that's exactly the opposite of what the female population would say. They seem to like yep. him. They, they would, but I would like to punch him. All right. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can uh, on Twitter. I am at Jordan Hall 23. Hook is at Hookslide 23, and the show is at Podcastianos. On Instagram, I am at Jordino4, Facebook.com backslash Podcastianos. And we'd love it if you take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or whatever other platform you're listening to the show on. Uh, go out and watch, watch some Shark Week this week, everybody. Uh, there won't be any more Phelps stunts but it's it still should be good um take your mind off of off of the tiger's dross and don't dwell on you know the fact that you're not gonna have heard of anyone that we're gonna trade for in the next week trust the process that's what they said in in the in philly for the for the basketball and clearly they're doing okay now trust the process um and with that uh, i'm gonna go collect my my check from alavila and the alavila <laughs> patients fund um, but do you have anything else to say to the listeners before we get out of uh, here for the week? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, you could watch Shark Week, but when you're done with that, seriously, get a ticket and come see the West Michigan Whitecaps. They, their winning pace right now is literally on track to beat the 1984 Tigers win pace. Uh, they're an amazing team. They've actually gotten better in the second half after promoting, like, seven of their best players. They're so much fun. They're going to the championship. They probably win the championship. The tickets are so cheap. The food is so good. The view is great. Come on out. At least get excited about the Tigers farm system. You will not regret it. And, and there's river rascals. And there are river rascals. So that's that's what I have to say. And thanks again, Jordan, for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, especially short notice. Really appreciate you, the insight, the the fun we've had tonight. Um, and we, we need to do uh, an episode with all four of us. I think that would be a lot yes. of fun. Um, 
might be a little bit of a scheduling fiasco, but you know we still got a couple more weeks left of the year, um, and the more people, uh, the less tigers we have to talk, and I, I think that would be good for for everybody. Agreed. All right. With that being said, we will catch you guys next week. And eat them up, tigers. Eat them up. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.